Next on BYUSN, one more and done for Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12. What does that mean for the future of the conference and BYU's role in it? And what's the consequence of men's hoops losing at Pepperdine last night? Well, it made me feel very, very upset, I can tell you that much. <laughs> Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Feel like an old man. Hogwash! Friday, February 10th, I am Spencer Linton. He is Jerem Jordan. We are old men at this point. We can do that. Hogwash! Malarkey! Let the kids play! <laughs> On today's show, we make time for Dennis Pitta. I'm being told that he caught a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. That's pretty cool. He did. It was, but that game was so boring, they turned the lights off. Mm. What would a second Super Bowl win do for the Andy Reid greatest coaches convo? We'll break it down. Y'all going on a cruise with the Cougs? We'll tell you about that. And the nation's number three blocker in the country, Tion Taylor of the volleyball team, previews the matchups with UC Santa Barbara tonight and tomorrow. But first, today's headlines. The Big 12 Conference has announced Texas and Oklahoma are now officially leaving the conference to join a 16-team SEC beginning in the summer of 2024. Thus, BYU gets one shot at OU and Texas in conference and then the Longhorns and Sooners will depart. In football, multiple shots in a couple other sports, which would be uh, fun. But yeah, one year, baby. Let's enjoy it. Former Cougar player and staffer Andy Reid coaches the Kansas City Chiefs against the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl 57 in Glendale, Arizona. On Sunday, it's Reid's third Super Bowl appearance. Former Cougars Zane Anderson and Matt Bushman are on the Chiefs practice floor. BYU men's basketball Ugh. loses at Pepperdine. 92-80. Why? 92 points. Cougars now 6-6 six six in West Coast Conference play. That's good for fifth place. Cougars are now 7-7 seven seven all time at Firestone Fieldhouse. Can we pay the WCC 100 mil not to play there? Women's basketball loses 64-63 to last place Pepperdine. More great news. Lauren Gustin scored a career-high 30 points, 16 Sports, 50 parbs, incredible. Yeah, yeah. But who cares? BYU lost. That's disappointing. Uh, oh. BYU hosts LMU tomorrow at 4 Eastern on BYU TV. Got to get that one. Number 35 BYU Gymnastics will host top 25 foe and MRGC favorite Southern Utah in Provo at the Marriott Center tonight, 9 Eastern, live on BYU TV. Number 10 men's volleyball hosts number 14 UC Santa Barbara for a pair at 9 Eastern tonight on the BYU TV app and tomorrow on BYU TV and the app. This weekend marks the lone week of home matches in a six-week stretch. BYU softball currently competing in the Puerto Vallarta Challenge in Mexico. The Cougars played two yesterday, lost their opener to the North Carolina 2-0, but bounced back to beat Wisconsin out of the Big Ten 1-0. BYU will take on Maryland today at 4 Eastern. Men and women's track competes at the David Hemery Valentine Invitational today and tomorrow in Boston. Track celebrates four days early. Yeah, why not? Women's tennis will host LMU today at 2 Eastern in Provo, looking to go 3-0 on the young season. Men's tennis will compete in Logan tomorrow against Utah State at 2 Eastern. Good luck to both squads. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending, presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Texas and Oklahoma have announced, along with the Big 12 Conference, after paying $100 million to the Big 12 Conference to do so, that they will leave 
after the 2023 season, which means they will be members of the SEC beginning in the summer of 2024. Jerem, what does that mean for the future of the Big 12 Conference? It means BYU just got the one year, right, uh, to play with Texas and Oklahoma in the various sports. We think about football primarily. Basketball will be fun. Women's volleyball with uh, Texas is incredible. Oklahoma and Texas in softball, incredible. There are a bunch of sports where it will be uh, fun to compete. Now we know. We've... We thought it would be two at first. Then it was like, okay, maybe it's just one. I guess Oklahoma ponied up the money. Texas could always afford it. But now we know. Uh, and it was great that BYU got Texas and Oklahoma in year one in football. That way, you got them. The only um, one of the newbies to do so. And Oklahoma on senior day will be awesome. Uh, and at Texas, of course, is a game that BYU's always uh, embraced, having played there a couple of times uh, in independent. So, yeah. At, and, and here's the thing. We know it's going to be super wide open in this league. Um, to the benefit and detriment of the league. Um, you know, the Pac-12 hasn't produced too many playoff uh, teams recently because they kind of eat their own. I think the Big 12 will probably do that quite a bit. TCU had a special run this year, being able to get in undefeated, lose the Big 12 title game, still got in because undefeated. Uh, they were lucky there weren't like four undefeateds, but it's hard to go undefeated. Ask BYU in 84. Only done it one time. So it, it'll be fun to hang out with the rich dad on some weekends, a.k.a. Texas and Oklahoma. And then eventually your parents get divorced and they go move somewhere else and uh, kind of move on with their lives. But I, I'm excited that we know we have the one year with those two. Huge brands in college football sure. and, and basketball and everything else like we talked about. It's going to be fun to have the one year. I wish it was two, honestly, but uh, eventually they move on and so does BYU and everybody else. It makes sense. The divorced household figured out how to expedite the paper signing so that the two parts can yeah. mutually separate. Sometimes divorce is good. It's not always bad. I don't know that it's going to be a great thing for Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. Competitively, no. Financially, yes. For sure. Yeah. 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 Like Texas needed more money. More. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be just fine. I'm excited that BYU gets one shot at all of the Oklahoma and Texas teams to win a conference championship. Specifically, women's soccer and women's volleyball. I'm glad that BYU has the shot at Texas in volleyball specifically. They're amazing. Just, for sure. So I'm glad they all, that BYU has one shot to win conference titles with Texas and Oklahoma in conference. That's really fun. I, I guess my biggest question mark is, what does it mean for the future of Big 12 expansion? We're seeing conferences go to 16 teams now. The SEC with Texas and Oklahoma will be 16 teams. The Big 10, once USC and UCLA depart, will be 16 teams. Rutgers and Maryland count then? Apparently. Okay. Brett Yormark has said the Big 12 is open for business. He wants to shop knowing that now things are official beginning in 2024 that he only has 12 teams. Now he can go say, well, maybe we do pursue heavily a 16-team conference approach, and they go heavily after four teams in the Pac-12. Or the four. Oh, in the Pac-12. Yeah. Yes. Those are the – yes. I want four. That, just give me the four corners. That's what it means to me is it, it now gives Brett Yormark that much more motivation – to go and be aggressive because it's happening. It's happening a year early. So you can go and say with confidence to these other teams, we'll be 12 teams in the summer of 2024. Do you want to make us a 14-team conference? Do you want to make us a 16-team conference? Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Arizona State would be the ideal setup. Yes, because he wants to be yeah. publicly stated in four time zones. What if Cal and Stanford are interested would the Big 12 be interested in the Bay Area? To me, they're the fifth and sixth best options. But if it's the only option to get into that Pacific time zone and pull in Power 5 members, just maybe. 
Arizona and Arizona State have their own time zone, so I don't know if they apply. <laughs> Six months out Five of the year. Five time zones. I know. I call my mom, and I'm like, what time is it there? I have like, no idea I what time it is. Yeah, yeah, I know it's the same time right now. Yeah, oh, the Big Twelve can be in five time zones. There's Arizona and then across the board. But yeah, at least Oregon. it's not New- Newfoundland, which is half an hour different. <laughs> I kid you not. That's real. It's very odd. They're the edge the of the province earth. in Canada. Ask Tyler Haas. He played he in Newfoundland played there. for a few months. <laughs> a very special experience for him when you talk to him about what it. What time is it? Uh, <laughs> it's like uh, 1.30 in the afternoon there. Right now it's 1.38. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Wild. <laughs> Oregon Wild. and Washington yes, are absolutely the gems remaining in yeah, the Pac-12. For sure. If they are interested in joining the Big 12, then that absolutely would happen. Brett Yormark is like, yes, oh, we're up. come on in. That'd be amazing. Let's do this. And bring over the Arizona schools. We're a 16-team conference, and now it gets very interesting. Utah and Colorado are an interesting combination in the Intermountain West. Um, I know that there are people that feel like Colorado should go back to the Big 12 because the roots are there, like mm-hmm. they were – a longtime yeah. member of the Big 12. Big 8 and all that. And we've heard Joel Klatt on Fox Sports, who's a prominent college football analyst, say he, Buffalo he believes and he has talked with, obviously because he's a Colorado guy, that he believes strongly that Colorado is in talks to join the Big 12. But is it a package deal with Utah? And does that mean that the Arizona schools come over? I don't know. But to me, this means that you can just more aggressively approach it. And yeah. I think at some point the Big 12 will become – a 16-team conference. It makes sense. That's, probably yeah. in the next three years. Yeah. If it's going to happen, it's probably going to happen sometime in the next three it's years. It's contingent on Oregon and Washington making a move or not. They want to go it, to the Big Ten, but the Big Ten has not invited them. So that tells me that they probably don't want them. Not right now. Yeah. Does something change? What's going to change? When BYU got the invite, it's because of another domino. So what other domino falls to induce more expansion? Uh, that's the question that I think uh, we need to find out, right? And what does the Pac-12 do? Is this all they need is two, te- well, like one or two teams leave, and it changes everything. Then, then it becomes it could get weird, really, really. But if you're Washington State, you're like tough. Let's just stay here, guys. Everything's Oregon State. Let's just everything's great, right? Even Cal and Stanford. Cal and Stanford have been less uh, powerful in this conversation than I could have ever imagined. How about that? You know, they're the, not, the, the they're idea not of like players in this really. And specific markets. No oh, one's you, like, dude, we need you two. You get the Bay Area market. It's like, nah, the Bay Area is a pro sports market. It's not about Cal and Stanford. If you've been to games at Cal and Stanford, it's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for those fan bases. And I feel bad for the teams that have to show up and play in front of no fans. They used to be more competitive in some of the higher profile sports. Obviously, Stanford's athletic program is one of the tops in the country. They're unbelievable. But we're talking about football mainly here. Really fun that BYU gets OU in Texas for a shot at conference championships for at least one year. Yeah. And then we see with expansion. But things are absolutely on the move with Brett Yormark in control. That dude is a mover and a shaker. He's a hustler. It doesn't just move or just shake. It's he is, both. He is a hustler. Yeah. I wish there was more hustle from last night on the basketball court. How about two? Do we, ha- we have to do this? We have to do this. Uh, what's the consequence of last night's 92-80 loss at Pepperdine? Oh, boy. Well, first and foremost, BYU now, if we're being realistic, I think the best they can hope for is a fifth-place finish in, Amen. in WCC. Top four's out. Top four's out. See ya. At St. Mary's, uh, who lost last night, by the way. Yes, LMU beat St. Mary's. So it's, it's Gonzaga within one game now, but you're going to lose Moraga and Spokane. So top four's out. 
five seed. It will. Seed. It will take something special. It will take a road win against one of the top two teams in conference to put BYU back in a scenario where they feel like maybe there's a shot at a top four seed. And we can't realistic, pre- realistically project that right now. BYU just lost to a team that was 0-10 in league until Saturday. And they needed a miracle to win that game against Portland. They needed they a needed boneheaded a, uh, play by one. a guy who lost control of his emotions. Christian Scholand. In a late moment, right? Yeah. yeah. So sometimes all it takes is one win for a team to kind of taste that, and then they get on a run. But BYU knew that. They were an eight-point favorite going in. I had a bunch of people saying, Spencer, you said it was a shocking result. And I'm like, yeah, I'm still shocked by it because they're 1-10. in 10. Because they're 1-10 in, in the league. And Why BYU wouldn't it be? is an eight-point favorite on the road. You, you, and BYU had just beat LMU by 28 the week before, and it looked great against Pacific. This team, however, ah, we know who they are on the road. We know who they are on the road, which is nothing close to what this BYU team is at home. And until they do something different, that narrative was going to remain. So why should we expect BYU to all of a sudden show up and beat Gonzaga? Though some fans are saying that would be the most BYU thing ever, to lose at Pepperdine and then go and beat Gonzaga. Listen, not this when BYU beat Gonzaga before, they had some, like, real talent on the squad. Like, there were a couple guys that would dabble in the NBA. Right in, in in these circles, whether it was Haas or Collinsworth, you does not have that guy on the roster at the moment. Now, in like four years, is Jackson Robinson like a G League? I don't know, but th- no, this is this is the least talented Mark Pope team, right? This team is trying to figure some things out. They're gonna they're gonna flirt with the NIT, maybe not getting it, but here it's it's tough. They're trying to battle through some of this. We've seen some real highs, we've seen some real lows. Um, Okay, consequences. Fourth Q3 or Q4 loss of the year. Yep. BY the previous two years was 26 and 1. Just didn't lose these type of games. Yeah. Now they're 11 and 4 this year in those games. Second worst loss by net rating, by the way. As of last night, 207 Pepperdine, South Dakota 312. That is the worst loss of the season, hands down. Don't argue with me. Now, I don't know what you're talking about. I've totally forgotten about that loss. BYU finishes 6 and 6 <laughs> at Pepperdine as a member of the West Coast Conference. So, worst record on the road in league as a member of the WCC. Two and nine in uh, Moraga. Yep. And then, what is it, three and eight in Spokane. Got to three years in a row, 15, mm-hmm. 16, 17, right? And then, uh, like you mentioned, probably going to be a five or 16 WCC tourney. NIT bubble. BYU's probably on the outs of the NIT at the moment. They have to climb in somehow. I looked last night again at last year's NIT. I didn't look at 21 because they did a shortened NIT, and then 2020 didn't have one. And I don't really care about 2019 at this point. There was only one team that had fewer than 21 wins that wasn't an automatic qualifier and not from a P6 league. It was Utah State okay. who had 18 wins. Everybody else that wasn't an automatic qualifier. What? There's automatic qualifier? If you're in a non-Power 6 league and you win the regular season, yeah, you're automatically you automatically in. qualify if you don't make win your tourney to get in the NCAA tournament. Uh, VCU and Santa Clara had 21 wins, and they got in. Okay. Santa Clara, by the way, was what? The three seed last year? The fo- sorry, the four seed? Yeah. BYU was the five, I believe. Yeah, Pacing they had, for that again. They had a really good year. Oh, by the way, they had a lottery pick in Jalen Williams of the Thunder, who's having a nice rookie season. It's going to be tough for BYU to make the NIT at this point. They got four games left, and uh, Santa Clara and San Francisco are the home games. BYU lost to those teams on the road. Maybe they show up at home and win, and I, th- I think they're going to because BYU is a different team at home. And then uh, at St. Mary's and Gonzaga, uh, so BYU is going to walk into Vegas probably 18 and 13 
and need at least one win there to just just maybe make the NIT. And, and maybe not making the NIT sort of shakes things in a way that BYU needs going to the Big 12. I don't know. I never like seeing BYU struggle, but I've mentioned this before. BYU needed 2017 to get to 2020 and 21. They needed to shake things up to get to those points. Like, you needed a restart. I don't know exactly what that looks like with men's basketball at this point, but certainly BYU needs to increase its talent and prepare itself for uh, the Big 12. Final thought on, on last night. BYU will never have a loss like that ever again, Spence. Because they won't have because to play a game like that in, in the Big 12, you will swallow a loss of West Virginia or Oklahoma or Baylor Medicine's differently a lot easier to take. than friggin' Pepperdine. Yeah. We will never have a loss like that again. Oh, That's the good news. Oh, we'll lose, but it won't be like that. We obviously hope BYU can string something <laughs> together special in Spokane on Saturday. <sighs> all tasks. I, no, back, I'm not doing the shaved head thing. <laughs> back to football for our question of the day, and frankly, back to the Big 12 in general in all sports. <laughs> Every day. Big How do you feel about Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 in the summer of 2024? At Sapporo Mochan on Twitter says, BYU will now have shorter road trips in the future <laughs> to Tucson and Tempe. Hey, there you go. <laughs> He's calling for the Arizona schools to join the Big 12. Yeah. You know what the best league for BYU right now in terms of travel is? It's not even WCC. It's MPSF in men's volleyball. Oh, interesting. You go, you go L.A., Arizona, Bay Area. Good times. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Easy travel. Nice and easy. Weigh in using hashtag BYUSN to join the conversation. Gymnastics competes with the Flippin' Birds, Southern Utah. That's their real name. I'm not joking. If you watch the program, you know. Number 21 in the country, 9 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. Up next, he's a Super Bowl champ and a friend to at least one of us. Hey. Dennis Pitta is back on the show next. Making time. Taking the Chiefs. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. It is a fabulous Friday in spite of losses last night. It's Friday. Friday is a great thing. It's Friday, and I'm in in love. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan, and it is our pleasure to make this an even better Friday. Well, at least I've been asking, like, we never make time for him, and I'm like, what's the problem? He played in and won a Super Bowl, caught a touchdown pass. It's our homie, Dennis Pitta. And reveal. Dennis, what up, dog? Hey, Dennis Pitta is on the show. How are we doing, man? The second greatest number 32 in BYU history. What a reveal. Uh, yeah. Um, second greatest football player, number 32? Well, Todd Christensen, wasn't he Wasn't he 32? Uh, he was in the rate with the Raiders. Was Todd 33 was or 32 at BYU? at BYU? I think he was 33. So I don't I think know. You're, you're in the clear, I think. Was he 33? Yeah. Okay. I all think right. you're in the clear. Yeah, I just know you're not number one. We all know Jimmer. We all know Jimmer was better than me. I mean, because yeah. you can totally compare basketball to football. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for coming hey, on, you man. Guys it was must, good to see you. I was gonna say, you guys must be really hurting for content if you're allowing me to come on the show. <laughs> well, well, th- this what's week is. What's going on with been... BYU basketball? Is it a down year or what's going on? Uh, okay, you know what? Too soon. Uh, too soon. <laughs> Let's start with the, the hard-hitting question from last night. Are you done living at your parents' house yet? I know you're building a house. 
Yeah, I'm I'm done living at my parents' house. We moved into our own home. Yes. Finally, the Pittas are homeowners. Thank you very much. Uh, feels good. I am currently at my in-laws' house, sitting in the little corner of our guest bedroom right here. Because um, we are in Arizona this weekend. And you're probably thinking, oh, he's going to the Super Bowl because it's in Arizona. No, I'm going to a wedding tomorrow. So um, I will not be attending the Super Bowl. Here's the thing. When you, like, play in the Super Bowl and you catch a touchdown on the Super Bowl – like, I'm not going to just attend the Super Bowl and park with all the other yahoos and battle all that kind of stuff. <laughs> the stands. I mean, I've, I've been accustomed to a certain lifestyle at this point, and I'm not going to just go back and just attend a Super Bowl like everybody else. Like, if you were living in your parents' house, like, maybe you're with the common folk. <laughs> I mean, it felt, yeah, it, it might felt appropriate if I didn't have my own home, but now I'm a homeowner, so. Yeah. Congratulations. I, uh, I, I'm above all that, of course. Yeah. Can we get Dennis Pitta a suite at the Super Bowl already? I know. My daughter was <laughs> asking on. me about it last night. I go, no way. I go, Vanna, let's look on stuff up right now. The cheapest <laughs> ticket's like 3500 bucks. Come on now. Yeah, super yeah. cheap. They're not handing out suites like no. that at the Super Bowl. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Dennis, can you believe it's been basically a decade? I mean, it, since you caught that touchdown in the Super Bowl? Like, what? I, 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 just, I couldn't believe. I was like, has it really been 10 years since you played in that game? Um. How do you feel and what are your emotions like every time the Super Bowl rolls around each year? Yeah, it's it, it, ha it hasn't felt like 10 years, that's for sure. But um, I guess the 10 year mark has sunk in a little bit because we've had um, a number of things this year with the Ravens. We had our Super Bowl reunion, our 10 year reunion. We went out um, back in October and and did a whole weekend where they had a you know, Super Bowl party with all the old members of the team. And they, they did a whole thing at, before the game and at halftime. And so we had an awesome weekend being able to, to get that group back together. And, um, you know, we had everybody out there, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and, and everybody that was, uh, that's since been retired. I think the only guys we didn't have there were, were some of the guys that were currently playing, which, you know, it was Joe Flacco and, and Justin Tucker is about the only two. So it was awesome to see, all of those dudes and, and guys you don't even remember were on the team. I mean, you have like, you know, 60 something guys with practice squad and, and, you know, being able to see those old faces and, and reconnect and talk about all those, those stories and, and all that was awesome. So I've had certainly some time to reflect this year on, on that Super Bowl and, and the fact that it has been 10 years since that happened. And um, it's pretty special. And I think every year you, you get farther away from that game, you appreciate it even more. And uh, being able to look back and, and realize what we accomplished and, and understanding how difficult it is to not only make the Super Bowl, but to win a Super Bowl. Because I've got friends that are still in the league and, and, and trying to get their first Super Bowl. You know, one of my good friends is Kyle Juszczyk, the, the 49ers fullback. And um, they went to a Super Bowl a couple of years ago and they lost. And they, you know, looked like they were uh, set to go back this year and, and then lost <laughs> in, quite a, uh, in quite the fashion against the Eagles in, in that NFC championship game, but it's just such a difficult game to get into and, uh, and certainly one to win. And so I, I appreciate it every year that this time rolls around and, and you see these teams battling to get in it and know that there's only one winner. The Super Bowl is educational in more ways than one. How would we ever remember Roman numerals without it? And then my uh, question <laughs> for true. you is, do you, did you keep the ball like in the moment when you catch it, did you give it back to the ref or did you keep it? So I, I didn't keep it. And I like the one thing I regret from that game is that moment because I caught the ball 
and I'm not even thinking about the fact that it's the Super Bowl and I want to keep this ball and, and all that. And so I don't even know what happened to the ball. I chucked the ball and no, I'm jumping up on the linemen and they're celebrating with guys. And, you know, I think we took a 14-0 lead or 14-3 lead, something like that at that point. And so we were rolling and we had a ton of momentum. And, uh, you know, you score a touchdown in the Super Bowl, you're not thinking about anything but celebrating. And um, so I don't know where that ball ended up, but fortunately – I, I don't have to, you know, think of everything myself. One of our equipment guys went and grabbed the ball for me. Nice. Brought it back to yeah, our sideline. Awesome. So I have the ball. It's inscripted with, with the Super Bowl, the logo, all those Roman numerals. We were XLV 1-1, Super Bowl 47. Yep. And so that's a lot of that's a lot of Roman numerals. <laughs> I know. There. I was just looking at them like the X for the L means 40, the V means 5, the I, yeah. I means 1-1. One, one. Yeah. Is that yeah, football? Yeah, I still don't understand it, but that's what we were. There's time. There's time. Now, is that football the greatest memento that you own in your collection of everything that you have gathered through your professional career and whatnot? Um, yes. The greatest – well, no. I take that back. I would say the Super Bowl ring is the greatest memento. Uh, yes. Good call. Yes. That I have. Good call. Um, it's – it's a little bit flashier than the ball. That's for sure. <laughs> but um, the ball's pretty cool. I mean, the, the ball will be proudly displayed in my office once I get everything unpacked. Once you have, we're still, we're up. still in a state of total chaos at our yeah. house. But um, I do have an office and I have a nice place to display it. So I will, uh, it will be making its way up on the shelf there shortly. But um, yeah, I would say the Super Bowl ring. I mean, the, the ring is, is everything when you win the Super Bowl and uh but, but you know, the ring's more of a team thing. From an individual standpoint, being yeah. able to have a, a touchdown ball and, and scripted and all that, it's pretty cool. Do you wear the ring? Do you break it out? Is it in a case? Like, why don't you have it on right now? Uh, well, I don't have it with me. It's, uh, it's in California. I, uh, I'm in Arizona. But I don't wear it everywhere, shockingly. Um, it's not the... Uh, you know, it's not very inconspicuous when I have it on. It, it stands out quite a bit. Just wear it to sacrament. It's a little, it's a little loose too. I, I think I had it fitted for my, my right ring finger. Uh huh. Um, and I've lost a little bit of weight since I played, and so it's a little bit loose. My knuckles are less jammed too than when I was playing football all the time. So, um, it's uh, yeah, it's um, it's definitely not something I wear all the time. Knuckle jamming Dennis Pitta joins uh, BYU Sports Nation. Um, in terms of the game this week, who, who, you, who you got, Eagles or Chiefs, in this one? Well, I like the Eagles in this game, to be completely honest. I think I'll be rooting for the Chiefs, so I'm a little bit torn. I, I, I lean towards the Eagles because I think the Eagles are better in the trenches. And, and in games like this, when nerves are high and, and the execution in the passing game might not be as crisp as you, you would normally see in most games or whatever, whatever the case, I think the game is always won and lost in the trenches. And the Eagles have one of the best offensive lines in the whole league, if not the best. Um, and defensively on the defensive line, you know, one of the best. And so I think in a game like this, I think the, the team that controls the line of scrimmage, the best is going to win. And, and that would be the Eagles for me. But Again, I, I'm an Andy Reid, you know, fan and, and um, you know, Mahomes and, and the style of football that they play is just so appealing and, and so fun to watch. And so 
I'll probably be rooting for the Chiefs, but if, if I'm going to pick and put money on anything, which I'm not, uh, it would be the Eagles. Dennis Pitt is with us on BYU Sports Nation. It is Super Bowl week, and we have had a number of Super Bowl performers join us, including Chad Lewis, another former BYU tight end. Dennis, we talked to Chad about his emotions, and he was on the losing side with the Eagles under Andy Reid, and he kind of talked about how difficult that was. But he also discussed making the transition from the chaos of the week into the actual game and how difficult that can be. How were you and the Ravens able to do that? With just the, it is a circus at media day. That's the best way I can explain it. Until it's crazy, but then you got to go play a game and block out all the distractions. How were you and the Ravens able to do that? Yeah, it's not easy because there's a ton of distractions, and you know the first, you know the first week because you have a two week gap between the championship games and, and the Super Bowl. The first week is very normal. You're at your facility. You go through a normal week of practice. There's not much media. It's a very standard structured week. And then you get to the host site. And for us, it was New Orleans, which in itself is is crazy. But <clears throat> you're there and, and the first probably three or four days you're there, it's the media frenzy is insane. And you have these blocked out media times where you're sitting up on a podium and you have millions of people asking you questions from everywhere. From I, I can't tell you how many interviews I did in, in Spanish. You have all these Mexican <laughs> TV uh, stations that are up there. And somehow they found out that I went on a Spanish-speaking mission and spoke Spanish. And so I'm doing interview after interview in Spanish. And so everybody that's been on a, a Spanish-speaking mission or a foreign language mission, you, you know um, you know, a lot of terms. <laughs> they don't play football in the Dominican Republic. I did not know a lot of the football terms oh, yeah. in Spanish. So I really struggled in those interviews. And so, I mean, I could have talked about the gospel all day long with those reporters, but they were asking me football specific questions and that was very difficult to answer. I did not have, I did not have the vocabulary in Spanish for football. And so uh, I did a bunch of those. I remember at one point I'm up on the podium and, and I have Boy Scouts of America are there asking me, of course I was an Eagle Scout. Of course. And so they're yeah. asking me to tie all these different knots and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> at one point I had, I had a wig with purple hair on it. I mean, I don't even know what happened, but it's crazy. You know, Food Network is there. Actually. Like, Food Network. I didn't even know they, they knew what the Super Bowl was over there. <laughs> and, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're asking you questions on the podium. So it's, it is just crazy. And you also get a sense during that week of how big the Super Bowl is. When you have media outlets from all these different countries, from all these different networks, you know, things that don't even pertain to sports, and they're there interviewing you. I mean, it's a big deal. And it's so... Reality sets in a little bit that second week, like, oh, holy crud, this is a big deal. And this is an important game, and everybody's going to be watching. And so it puts even more pressure on you, and your anxiety levels go up a little bit more. Um, and it's, it's a nerve-wracking week for sure. And, uh, and so you just, you just deal with it. You do it. And, and fortunately, we did it apparently pretty well. I don't know what our secret was, but we came out, and we were on fire at the beginning of that game. And then anybody who remembers that game will remember – we went up 28-6. to six. We returned the opening kickoff of the second half to go up 28-6. Had all the momentum in the world. We're ready to just run away with the thing. And uh, Roger Goodell and the NFL turned the lights off in the Superdome. <laughs> hey, that Bill. And killed our momentum. And uh, football is such a game of momentum. And so, uh, you know, for, for 45 minutes, we were sitting on the field with no lights. And the lights came back on. We got a brief period to warm up. 
and then we were back in the game. And, and that's when the 49ers grabbed the momentum and, and, and stormed back in that game and made it a game. Unfortunately, we, we held on for the win. But um, what a crazy – and I was, I, I've done a ton of interviews the last couple of weeks with, with um, Ravens um, radio people and all kinds of different stuff because, you know, th- this is the 10-year reunion, like sure. I mentioned before, for that game. And so there's, there's a lot of stories being told out there. And so um, I was just saying the other day about this game in particular – um, what was so difficult about that 45-minute delay and just how that game played out is our offense, I think the last time we took the field in that game was in the second quarter with like two minutes left, and we were off the field. And then you have an extended halftime because of the halftime show. So a normal NFL halftime is like 10 minutes. This was like a 30-minute halftime, which, you know, three times longer, which is crazy. So you have a 30-minute halftime, and then we came out, we returned the opening kick. We were supposed to get the ball back. Um, and then they get the ball, I think they – ran a couple of plays. It was third down. The lights go out. So it had been about a two hour to a two and a half hour time period. Wow. Between the last time our offense took the field and when we finally were able to get back on. And in the course of a game, especially the Super Bowl, a two and a half hour time a break in a game, like it, it's a completely different game at that point. And I think that was what was most difficult for us to handle. And so we made a couple of mistakes when we came back out offensively. And I think we had a fumble and you know, defensively we missed some tackles. Anyways, that game was just was crazy for that blackout. I mean, I've never been in a game where there was the lights went out ever. High school, peewee football, I mean, what you name it. And in the Super Bowl, in the biggest game of the entire year, the lights go out for 45 minutes. I mean, you tell me what happened. Wild. You tell me if that was accident or not. <laughs> the conspiracy theorist Dennis Pitta with <laughs> Sports Nation. As we say goodbye. I'm going to need you to do a couple of things. I'm going to need you to look up encroachment and illegal procedure in Spanish so that you're better prepared for those interviews next time. <laughs> I do not know those words. Still today, I don't know any of those words. I know that touchdowns are true. You know? Uh, Dennis, great to catch Encrocho, up with you. I think, is, I think that's what I said. <laughs> it's great to catch up with you. Awesome stories. Uh, enjoy the wedding tomorrow in Arizona and the Super Bowl over the weekend. We'll talk again soon, man. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate you making time for me. You got it. He is a Super Bowl champion. I know. I've been telling the production team, I'm like, why don't we have Dennis on more often? He's great. Oh, please. (laughs) (laughs) Join Greg, Mark, and Shep, 9 Eastern tomorrow uh, as pregame coverage begins at a BYU number 16 Gonzaga. (sighs) Please, just just show up and compete. Just show up. Show up, baby. And the only child still play for BYU because he's dunking on people again. But this one might be a better play overall than the one against Utah. That's saying something. This is BYU Sports Nation. Blasters. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. We missed our conversation with Dennis Pitta. It's okay. You don't need it. I would encourage you to go listen to it. It was fine. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. It was great. What would a second Super Bowl win for Andy Reid mean for his legacy? Well, he's already a first ballot Hall of Famer. Absolutely. In in a strange way, I, I feel like he doesn't need it to further his legacy, but I mean, it, it's just... No, it's your Super Bowls. Yeah, two two is greater than one. Um, but when you're already a first ballot Hall of Famer, like, great. If he wins two, awesome. Two Super Bowls is greater than one. That's about it. 
Couple notes. Uh, Thirteen coaches have won two plus. So he joined. He became the fourteen. Okay. He's coached the second most playoff games ever. That's Bill wild. Belichick. That's wild. Um, and he's tied for the second most conference championship games with ten. It's pretty wild. Maybe he becomes this a is, top five coach all time if he wins two. I don't know if he cracks that quite yet because there are some incredible names there. But like Andy is in that conversation once he gets two. Like one is awesome, you know. Uh, but two, like now, now you couldn't stumble into that, right? You couldn't just be the coach of a team that won as opposed to a great coach like Andy is. Yeah, getting two I think is really important and awesome. And again, at some point he passed Lavelle as as like a better coach than Lavelle. I know that's like blasphemy around here, but he stood on Lavelle's shoulders and continued to build that. He'll never really he'll special. never say that either about himself. He'll, he'd never say ever. It. But it's really special to see that he has done that at the next level, which has been awesome to watch. Yeah, it'd be if he wins two, then we can have that conversation. Where does that put Andy Reid all time among all of the NFL great coaches? That's a fun conversation. On to the next topic. This is also fun. Yoli Childs produced a magical dunk the other night. It's part of a fantastic play in a Euro Cup game against Lon the London Lions. My question is, which dunk, Never dunk on the London. Which dunk is better? This one in the Euro Cup? I mean, oh, okay. Taking a pass that went through the wickets of a big man, okay? Or is it the epic throwdown against Utah? What I'm, do you think, Jeremy? I'm offended by the question. I am I'm truly offended by the question. You're it's, offended? It's always Utah. It doesn't take much to offend you, then. One, it's a better dunk. <laughs> and two, it's against Utah. Like, the dunk itself is better. Yes. And it's Utah! The dunk, the dunk is better. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your oh, soul. Okay, come on. The dunk for BYU against Utah is better. The play overall is better in Euro Cup. I do love a crisp bounce pass. Through the legs of a defender, by the way. Yeah. The pass goes through what? the legs of a defender. What? London Lions? Who the beep is that? Well, they're a professional basketball team, apparently. Professional. They're in Euro Cup. Never heard of them until today, Euro and they Cup. just got dunked on. Hey. Join us tomorrow for Women's Hoops as Lauren Gustin's going to dunk on LMU with a gajillion rebounds and points for <laughs> Eastern on BYU TV. Not actually dunk, but... Maybe! Okay. Up next, Tion Taylor of BYU Men's Volleyball joins us. Cougars are on the rise Thank in the rankings. Know. They're back home and ready to win. How much of a home court advantage does the Smithfield House actually provide? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Volleyball weekend for BYU, who are on the rise in the latest ABCA coaches poll. They're a top 10 team, and joining us now from the top 10 Cougars is one of their elite blockers, Tion Taylor of BYU Men's Volleyball in Studio B. Welcome to the show, Tion. Tion? Thank you, thank you. I Glad want you to, to know that when I got ready this morning, I specifically put on my BYU Volleyball sweatshirt <laughs> rep because I knew that you were headed into studio, man. <laughs> so I got I got a rep because, listen, we got to get the karma going for you yeah, and the yeah. team to keep this thing rolling. It's been a fun season to watch you guys compete thus fun. far. Super fun. What's been the best part about it? I mean, low expectations going in from outside voices. 
Certainly you have high expectations yeah. internally, but what's this season been like? I think that's been the best part of it. You know, everybody outside didn't expect us to really be anything after last year, but you know, all of us believed in each other and we've been playing with a chip on our shoulders. And you know, I just love that about the guys. And it's been fun because if you win both this weekend, you equal last year's win total already. Like we're, <laughs> we're like out in front of it yeah. quite a bit, which is, which is fun. And you've become the number three blocker in the country. Certainly having 13 and a five-setter at Irvine mm -hmm. uh, two weeks ago helps, which yeah. is uh, the, uh, tied for fourth most, 14's record at 13, which is cool. So what, what is it about this squad that has been so much better than last year? I think we're just we're bought into what the coaches are saying, and we're just trying to get better each and every day, and we we gel together a lot. Like all the guys love each other. There's no beef between any of us, and that chemistry definitely helps on the court. But who do you have the most beef with, though? You did have beef. <laughs> Uh, you don't have to answer that really question no if you guy. don't want to. <laughs> you don't have to answer it. <laughs> I was trying kidding. to think of a joke and I couldn't. I know, you're like, ah, Jackson 5, ah, that guy. No, everyone's, everyone's cool with each other, honestly. And go watch, by the way, the video that came out yesterday on social media about the best pickup lines. <laughs> there were some really funny ones. There were some bad ones, but there were some really funny ones. Yeah. Okay, well, if we're on that, like, what's the best pickup line, Tian? <laughs> I liked... I like Noah's a lot. Okay. He was like, uh, my friend oh, yeah. my friend over there thinks you're cute. And he just ran all over to where he was <laughs> and, and he like awkwardly <laughs> awkwardly waves like this. Yeah, it was super funny. <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, super exciting to have a couple of home matches. You guys have mm -hmm. been on the road for a little bit. And you're about to go on the road. Yeah. yeah three and more weeks. Go on the road again. <laughs> it's crazy. I've always tried to quantify what home court advantage is worth in the Smithfield house. Because everybody that has not been to a match there and for the first time they're always like dude that was magical like yeah. why have I waited so long to go watch BYU volleyball that was incredible <laughs> I would say that to the fans as well like yeah. if you haven't gone to a match right you yeah and we say huge home court advantage but how how much of an advantage is, is it for you as a player and how do, how do we even quantify that what does what does it do for you yeah I, I love playing the Smith Fieldhouse because it seems like it's a very intimate court compared to all the other courts because we play a lot of like basketball arenas that it's hard to fill the stadiums there, but when we come to Smithfield House, it's always full, and the fans are always yelling, and it's always cool when like I go back to serve. There's always like some little kid that's like, "Go, Tion," and like it's just like <laughs> little stuff like that always helps. And even when we're away, though, like BYU travels really well, which I like. Yep, uh, they absolutely do. <laughs> Let's talk about your story, which is unique. Um, you didn't play club volleyball. You're no. like maybe the only D1 guy or something <laughs> that hasn't played club. You played in high school. Mm -hmm. You go on your mission. And then BYU kind of saves you a walk-on spot. And yeah. then you become a starter last year. You lead the team in hitting percentage. You're number three in blocks in the country right now. Kind of how did you get to BYU without playing club? Because playing at BYU requires yeah. something, right, at a high school typically. <laughs> yeah. And when I walked on, they were the number one team in the country at the time too. But, I mean, it's just it's all goes back to God and just his plan for me and just uh, knowing that if I did what I was supposed to and going on a mission that he would – provide for what I wanted to happen in my life and and then not just completely trusting him but also working as hard as I could to get to where I am today so combination of trusting in God and then working like he's not even there so is it is it wild that you're in this position at this point oh yeah like because because again if you don't play club you're just not on the radar in the same way mm -hmm. but you were good enough in high school obviously to have some good film for Sean and the coaches <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I think I got lucky with that one, too, because <laughs> my first year here, I was, I was pretty bad compared to everybody else. But, you know, I think they saw potential, and I've worked to accomplish the things I have. 
Uh, you are in it. You have earned your spot, <laughs> and you know your role. Was there a moment when you felt like, okay, now I'm here. Now I've, now I've made it at BYU. Uh, no, because my goal here is to win a national championship. And I don't think you can say that until you've accomplished that. That's the highest thing we can accomplish in men's volleyball. And until we get there, I haven't earned anything yet. This team feels that way too. Uh, and certainly Sean does right of having touched the national championship game several times the last couple of years. We have talked about Abby. Uh, mm -hmm. Your wife was a setter on the women's volleyball team yeah. last year. Wendy Bauer gets hurt. She sets for like eight or nine matches. BYU's fantastic during those. First off, how'd you guys meet? And uh, well, what's it like to be the vo volleyball power couple? One of them, right? <laughs> yeah, so we met right after my mission. So my mission got cut short because of COVID. And her college experience got cut short because of COVID. So we were both home in Vegas at the same time. And then I'm sure you guys know Leo Durkin. He used to play here. Mm -hmm. Well, his little brother was my setter in high school. And like they're friends with like Abby's family. And so we were just playing grass volleyball at a park. And that's how we met. It's awesome. And now, and now you're uh, married and she's doing great. She's student teaching now. Yeah. Graduated and whatnot, which is exciting. Yeah. As you look at what remains on the schedule for BYU, and you've said, like, we want to push, we want to build towards a national championship. There are several steps to get there. Mm -hmm. So what's the next mini step, if you will, uh, in the progression chart to get to that level? Yeah, I think it's just taking it one game at a time. You know, you can't look over any opponent you play, and every game, every practice, every rep is just a chance to get better. And we don't have to be the best team right now, but we have to be the best team come the uh, MPSF tournament and the NCAA tournament. So just building each day to get to that point. Uh, do we need to add a fanny pack to the look? Because it's almost like the rock, early <laughs> 90s kind of yeah. vibe going on. It looks good, man. Yeah, I like it. You know, I'm not a fan of fanny packs, but... <laughs> Maybe the crossbody satchel. <laughs> yes, oh, we'll, we'll get the crossbody satchel. I like that. Don't we have one of those? Did, we, didn't we, we give away some around. of those? I think we, I think we so. might be able to. Well, actually, we can't give it to Tian until he graduates, right? <laughs> we just need an We're NIL deal. not allowed to deal. do that. We or we can just get an deal. NIL deal. Yeah, exactly. Fine. Well, thanks for coming in, man. Yeah. Uh, good luck tonight against UC uh, Santa Barbara. It's going to be a, a couple of big matches. Yeah, definitely. They're a good team. All right, we're going to give you some karma. Take it. Use it. Perform at an awesome level because uh, it's going to happen. Yeah. So I would say 14 blocks, but I would prefer it not go five. Uh, <laughs> and just said earlier, but uh, yeah. Can we no. just do like eight blocks in a three eight set? Eight blocks in three that, would be really cool? nice. Are we cool? Two a set is amazing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, congratulations on everything. Thanks again Thank for you, hanging out. Thank well. you. I appreciate it. Yeah, you can catch Tion and the Cougs coming up tonight, 9 Eastern, on the BYU TV app. Tomorrow we're on BYU TV. Two against UC Santa Barbara, top 15 matchup for the 10th ranked Cougs. Up next, someone put up a 50 spot in PARBs in our fantasy basketball competition. I'm shocked that it happened in the women's basketball And game. it happens to be that player. Uh-huh. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Programs on demand. You can download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio app, subscribe rate, and review as well. Let's update where we stand after the first two games of the Fantasy Basketball Weekend. Shocker! Jerem's in the lead after Lauren Gustin put together a career high with 30 points and 16 rebounds. Oh, and that wasn't it. She combined for 50 parbs. 50. 50. 50 burger. Points, assists, rebounds, blocks, steals. So I've got Gustin, Smiler, Rudy, Foose, 
and uh, Julian Strother tomorrow night. We've got Drew Timmy. Yeah, you've got Drew, a 19-point lead well. going into tomorrow. <laughs> Typically, yeah, that's if I have any kind of lead, it's great. I yeah. can't wait for you to win by 40. It's going to be awesome. You know, a win's a win, whether it's by one or by 40, Spence. I take it one week at a time on this program. 95-76. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Nani Falatea has a big bounce back. She could. Goes for 40. Hopefully, Drew Timmy does not go for 40. Listen, if Drew Timmy has a crappy game, and that means BYU somehow, in some miraculous I would way, love wins in Spokane, awesome. If if you said you lose every week for the rest of the season in fantasy hoops, but BYU men's basketball doesn't lose, for what? I'd take 100%. I don't care. Is, I'd rather BYU win than me win this. This is nothing this compared is to the for, actual game. It's just for fun. <laughs> you know what's fun? BYU winning. <laughs> yes. Our question of the day, also fun, at least we think so. How do you feel about Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 in the summer of 2024? Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Blaine Swallow on Instagram says, Texas will jump through hoops to not get hurdled by BYU in Provo. I see what you did there. <laughs> Very nice. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Goes to Andrew Reed. No, not the kid that was giant in the punt pass and kick competition back in the they day. They spelled his name funny. wrong. It was R-I-E-D. Andrew <laughs> Reed. Andy <laughs> Reed, th- third Super Bowl for uh, one of the greatest alums in BYU history. Also, good luck to everybody involved. Zane Anderson, Matt Bushman on the practice squad. If they win, I think they get a ring too, even though they're not, yeah. you know, 53 in that. But cool to uh, see them. And, of course, Shep going for another insufferable uh, Super Bowl victory. Yeah. Uh, but we love Andy Reid. We love Shep. We love Zane and Matt. So good luck to those. Is it his fourth Super Bowl? One with the Eagles, now three with the Chiefs? Um, yeah, I mean as head coach. Oh, yeah. Well, no, as head coach of the Eagles, too, right? He's head coach of the Fourth Super fourth. Bowl title overall. Or, sorry, fourth Super Bowl game. Fourth Super Bowl overall. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You're right. Our thanks to today's guest, Dennis Pitta and Tion Taylor. You were going to apologize. We, to we, had, we, had, him on the, yeah. we had him yeah. on the show. Well, I'm sorry. We had him on still. <laughs> for Jeremy, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Ryan Millar. <laughs> See you tonight for gymnastics and men's volleyball. Go Cougars.